Welcome to Totally Pretentious, a podcast about great movies. Uh, this is our very first episode, so we'll introduce ourselves, talk about the show, and then we're going to talk about the first movie for this podcast, which is Dirty Harry. Um, so a little bit about you, David, since you are the uh, the unwitting uh, victim of my selection this time. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about yourself uh, so folks can know who you are. Uh, right. Well, uh, my name's David Annandale. Uh, I write uh, Warhammer 40,000 and Horus Heresy uh, fiction for uh, the Black Library. And uh, I'm uh, one of uh, your your co-hosts with the Skiffy and Fanti show. And with my academic hat on, I uh, teach uh, film and uh, English literature at the University of Manitoba. Excellent, excellent. Uh, and me, uh, this lovely voice that you hear uh, is I'm Sean Duke. I'm also obviously on the Skiffy and Fanti show. Uh, I am currently a PhD student at the University of Florida. Uh, I don't study film, although given how much I love film, I probably should. Uh, but uh, yeah, and, and that's really all you need to know about me. It's like my life, man. So uh, the, so this show, uh, we should talk a little bit about kind of what we, we anticipated this show to be. Is it, It's gone through many iterations uh, before we finally came to what probably will end up changing anyway, which is uh, we're just talking about great movies. And I believe the phrasing you used, David, was uh, significant in some way or uh, somehow unfortunately forgotten or uh, not talked about in a way that w- they should have been. Yeah, so so it's going to be a very eclectic and idiosyncratic uh, selection of films that uh, we'll be uh, looking at, and hopefully ones that will be of interest to you, the viewer out there, or the listener, I should say. They can view it, too. That's cool. We'll do yeah. video one day, and we'll dance with hats on. No, we're not going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, the way we're going to do the, the show in terms of selection currently is going to go a back-and-forth thing. Uh, I got the option to choose the first film. David will announce his selection at the end uh, and you can of course watch it over the next month that episode will drop on april 1st so you have a whole month to watch the film uh, if you want to participate in that discussion but today's selection was mine uh and i chose dirty harry if i'm totally honest i chose dirty harry because uh i'm familiar with the film and i know how important this film has been to uh basically cinema in the last 40 years uh and yet i had never seen it which just seems like a tragedy uh, to my mind. Um, so why don't we just dive right in, David? Uh, we, we don't need, I think, to talk about uh, our long, arduous process of trying to figure out what this show would be. I think we've discovered it. No, let's go for it. So uh, if you're not familiar with Dirty Harry, it's a film from 1971, Don Siegel film, uh, also a Clint Eastwood film. Uh, I'll just give the basic plot. We'll kind of hash a little bit of the more complicated stuff later. Uh, basically, you have uh, Harry Callahan, who is a, a police officer in San Francisco City, uh, the Bay Area, and he uh, is grizzled. He's lost his wife. He doesn't really appreciate the, the institution, the changes that are occurring, and he ends up being the lead detective on these murder cases known as the Scorpio murders, which, as I recall correctly, is based loosely on the Zodiac killings. Um, And as the story progresses, he becomes increasingly less interested in following the rules in order to catch this man and stop him from killing other people. Uh, And that's kind of the the basic idea. I mean, am I missing any, any crucial details? No, I think that's uh, that, that that very much captures it. And the, I mean, Dirty Harry is very much the the prototypical uh, hard-boiled cop who plays by his own rules. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's that's something we're going to be hashing out a bit here because I think that's the most one of the more significant elements of this is the way in which this film began. Uh, in some ways, sets up a, a new form of uh, vigilante narrative. Uh, yeah. Not not one that's totally new by the film itself. I mean, it's a narrative that has existed, but in a way. It affects the popular conception of the vigilante in a way that maybe other films had not up to this point. Yeah. Well, I think it was uh, uh, it was either Stephen Hunter or Pauline Kael who pointed. I think it was Pauline Kael who pointed out the uh, uh, one of the uh, the issues uh, with with Dirty Harry. And this is a film that, in fact, she had um, uh, uh, considerable uh, problems with. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, uh, and that is the you have uh, so many of the conventions of the Western, 
and uh, we have, after all, Clint Eastwood, uh, you know, coming to Dirty Harry, uh, having been made a superstar by Sergio Leone's Man with No Name trilogy, uh, and so he has a whole. Uh, uh, already a considerable filmography of westerns behind him and Dirty Harry has many of the tropes and conventions of the western and is taking place in San Francisco so geographically where westerns could take place but a hundred years later and the uh, so uh, if Akira Kurosawa you know, can make Yojimbo, um, which, uh, tran- which uh, transposes the Western, turns it into an Eastern, uh, uh, but keeps the same uh, historical period, and it's, it's seamless, the, uh, the, the, the transposition, to the point that you, then Yojimbo gets remade as uh, Fistful of Dollars, and we're back to Clint Eastwood. Uh, but uh, when Dirty Harry changes the time instead of the location, then the all kinds of political issues suddenly become suddenly rise to the fore, and uh, you know, the, the the film was uh, extremely controversial um, in its day. Yeah, it was one of the interesting things, uh, you know, because as I said, I had never seen this film before. Uh, I watched it for this, partly why I selected it was for that reason. I wanted to correct a gap in my own viewing. And when I was looking up information about this film, I had no idea how controversial this film was. Uh, and yet it was so controversial that even in interviews, Eastwood and Siegel uh, essentially have to, like, play uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? Like – like defensive end trying to kind of like divert attention away from the political implications of what's going on in the film um because even if the film like their intent was not to create a political film given the the historical context in which this film arises uh it's it's impossible not to read that into it yeah and i think it would be a little disingenuous to say they weren't making a political film given that uh the the film makes all kinds of uh, very uh, the, the characters are making all kinds of uh, politically charged remarks uh, and, and and comments and the uh, the the film's references to uh, current to, to to the the cultural period are so clear that yeah, um, yeah they I you know they. I think it would be, yeah, like I said, it's very disingenuous for them to say it's not a political film. Well, any, all films are political, and that film, uh, very extremely so. I think, though, um, what is more complicated is that exactly what the film's politics are um, are not as straightforward as many of the critics uh, maintained. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think that that is uh, – I would agree there that, that this film is a, is – Maybe more nuanced, maybe a little bit more ambiguous in certain respects than uh, I think uh, Pauline Kael basically just says it's like it's just right wing fascism. I don't know if that's her exact phrasing, but she certainly accuses us of being right wing. And uh, I know uh, one of the books I was reading, I think it was Paul Kobe's The American Thriller. uh, This – no, it wasn't that one. It was one of the other ones. Sorry. Uh, Basically, this film gets defined as like this is what fascism is. Yeah. Uh, and look at this film. It's a fascist film. And of course, given the political climate, this is comes out in 1971, but this pre- is preceded by literally the two years preceding this, like some of the most tumultuous times, at least in the, in America. Uh, I mean, I think some of the most tumultuous in, in, in a long while. Um, and this comes, of course, out of, of McCarthyism the decade prior, even to that. Uh, so you have all of this going on. I can see why people are jumping to that immediate knee-jerk reaction but it is incorrect i don't think it's fascism i think it's this sort of moral ambiguity of callahan sort of being set up against a wall a legal wall that is preventing him from doing what to the viewer is very clearly uh well the end result is clearly the right thing to do that scorpio needs to be stopped because at no point i think is the viewer ever led to believe that scorpio is innocent we see him murder someone in the very first scene of the movie uh, but Callahan is constantly fighting against a system that wants him to treat Scorpio as though he is not guilty uh, and to give him rights that, from Callahan's perspective, the man no longer deserves. 
Well, and I think that you see that, that is where the uh, a lot of the, the the critiques of the film as being fascist um, arise, right? That uh, if we are in a position where we see Harry as being unequivocally correct in what he's doing, uh, that he in in order that that the law basically the law is an ass. The system will not work. In order to protect us, we need the this essentially martyr strong arm to take down the villain, right? To step outside the law and 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 take him out. And if we see the film as uh, supporting that uh, position without question, uh, then the, the 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 critics are right. Um, but I I don't think it does, or at least with. I think what what the film does is it, um, it it gives us all kinds of undecidable issues. It's it's not I, I would say it's the law and order equivalent. I may be going a little bit far here, uh, but related to the kind of undecidability that we face in Henry James's The Turn of the Screw, uh, and and brilliantly captured in uh, its film uh, adaptation, The Innocents. Are there ghosts, or is the protagonist in, insane? Uh, you can't decide. There, there, there's evidence to on both sides, and I think there's some of, there's some of that um, ambiguity in um, in Dirty Harry. So, uh, for example, the uh, the dichotomy that's um, presented is Scorpio. Uh, sorry, you have Harry you know, in his suit. Um, uh, as, uh, with with his giant gun uh, as, as a very conservative um, uh, embodiment, whereas Scorpio is the demonic hippie uh, right. with his long hair and the uh, you know the peace symbol on his belt and so on and so forth. Yeah. However, uh, and and though he he we certainly in the later stages. Um, the some of the things that Scorpio mouths uh, in, in it's, it's kind of anti-establishment uh, slogans that he's using uh, would are would would tie in with that. What's uh, what people haven't noticed, uh, at least that, that I haven't seen drawn um, this pointed out, is that that peace symbol that shows up on his belt doesn't show up until after he's been arrested. Right when he's with the kids at the the yeah. park, right? It's, yeah. He, it's once he starts using the system against itself that the the peace symbol appears. When he the, the, when he first shows up, the I mean the um uh the the list of targets that he presents, he's not coming across as a demonic hippie. I mean, it's just it's this enraging homophobic uh, racist uh, screed that he's he's doing. In fact, um, Scorpio and Harry. Are mirror images of each other. Right. Harry yeah. hates everybody. So does Scorpio. Um, so it's like Batman and the Joker. They wind up creating each other. Uh, and Squ- uh, Harry, yeah, they, uh, it, we 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 see Harry's frustration. But um, Scorpio wouldn't be out on the streets and kidnapping those children in the bus if Harry hadn't broken the law in the first place when he, when he caught him. Yeah, and if, and for those that maybe don't recall, the reason why he he we ended up in this position is is probably one of the most like uh, my favorite scene, and I, I think should be considered more iconic than maybe it is. Uh, in the stadium, when uh, Harry finds Scorpio, at, this is after they've had a botched uh, payment in which uh, his, Harry's partner gets shot, and Harry uh, eventually stabs Scorpio in the leg, um, and. Scorpio manages miraculously to escape. Uh, well, maybe not really miraculously. He kicks <laughs> the shit out of Harry. Um, and then we're in the stadium, right? And, and Harry shoots him. And what's happened is, is, is Scorpio has hidden a, a teenage girl who he ha- we find out later he has raped uh, and presumably did other thing horrible things too. But he's shoved her in some sort of like tube or whatever in the ground so that she could suffocate to death. Uh, at least that's the threat. I'm not sure if she did actually suffocate her if she was she dead does. before she went in. Oh, I see. Because um, uh, it wasn't clear. It was what was clear is that she was dead before Harry found Scorpio in the stadium, uh, because that's what's told to us later. But so it ends up in this scene, right? Harry has got an hour to find this girl. She's gonna die, and his decision is, I'm gonna torture this man. Right. Uh, and that ends up, of course, because uh, pr- somewhat prior to this, uh, historically, 
we have the the invention of Miranda rights uh, with the uh, Escobedo uh, uh, ruling in 68. Uh, and that, of course, affects his ability to do his police work, because from our perspective, we maybe we don't fully agree with torturing a man to get information uh, for uh, for reasons that maybe are separate from this particular incident. However, we understand on some level, like what the f- what is he supposed to do? Is he supposed to wait for hours and hours to get a police warrant and then like be nice to the guy and be like, "I'm gonna give you some cookies. We're gonna have a nice talk in the interrogation room, and then you're gonna like, well, we'll give you five years off your sentence, and you'll, you know, like from Harry's perspective, all that matters to him is saving that woman's life. So in that moment, he commits this. Yeah, he does. And I think if uh, there too, what would simplify the debate around the film is that if um, uh, the torture led to the rescue um, of of the victim, uh, then that would uh, we'd see uh, the the justification of of Harry's act. Right. The ends justify the means. Yeah. However, the, uh, the she's not rescued. She's dead. And what's also significant is that um before the uh the the race against time begins as harry's being you know led from one phone booth to another uh by in scorpio leading him a merry chase um when he's told is his superiors tell him this is what we're going to do we have to um uh bring in the ransom to to save her and harry says you realize she's dead already he already knows i mean well he may, he may not know but he believes her to be dead right so he's which Again, raises an interesting question. I mean, okay, so he's he's torturing Scorpio to um, to get the information, which a turns out to uh, it, it doesn't lead to anything successful. B, um, Harry may not believe for a moment that this is going to lead to success. I, so the question that that comes out of that scene is um, is he is he torturing Scorpio um, uh, for some theoretically justified end, or is he torturing him because he enjoys it? And that remarkable um, uh, moment in the uh, in the stadium when the camera pulls back and yeah. we get the uh, uh, it's and we hear the the, the wails of, of Scorpio, which is, dissipate as as they they're like enveloped by fog. Yeah, like his voice eventually falls away, and it's this quick zoom out shot. It's a really great shot, and it's one of the. I mean. Um, Don Siegel's not a flashy director, right? Yeah. Uh, it, it's and you can really see uh, his influence on uh, on Eastwood uh, that they're not directors who go for the the, the you know the the striking visual moment for the most part. Uh, they're they're uh, much much more classical directors in the sense of just getting getting the, the story told in the most efficient uh, way possible. But but having said that, there are some very uh, visually striking moments in Dirty Harry. The stadium is one of them, and it has a um, counterpart uh, when uh, when Scorpio has the upper hand and is um, kicking the crap out of Harry, which happens at the base of this huge concrete cross. Right. Uh, which was not in the script, and that Siegel uh, wanted to get that location um, in, into the film. And so we have um, the, these bookends uh, of uh, one of, of the antagonists uh, effectively torturing each other in very similar ways, right? Uh, 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 Harry's being stomped on by Scorpio, and then later he stomps on Scorpio, right? He's, he's standing on that wounded leg uh, in, um, in, in the stadium. Both of those um, uh, scenes of the antagonists uh, torturing each other occur in um, locations where they are completely alone in, and dwarfed by the architecture and the, the, the monuments that they are in, uh, which are supposed to be, you know, which theoretically are supposed to say are be uh, monuments to uh, bring people together, right, are empty. Right, the the stadium. Yeah. It's dark. It's empty. There's nobody there except them. And that cross certainly doesn't provide any comfort of any sort. Right? It's just this huge monolithic, cold, concrete uh, uh, thing that is, is that it just looks down and means nothing. Yeah, I kept I kept thinking because um, I remember mentioning to you on Twitter the the religious iconography 
Uh, it seems like since we've watched a couple 70s films, um, this one and then we've watched, uh, I think, The Omega Man yeah. for uh, Skiffy and Fanti. Um, and, wh- you know, I keep seeing in these 70s films, late 60s, 70s, uh, that this use, this very overt use of religious imagery. But, like, as, as we're talking, it makes me think that the, this cross almost becomes like an empty metaphor on I don't know if that's intentional, but like in a very interesting way, not like it's inserted for no purpose, but as though to suggest that Harry is going to be this martyr at this moment, right? He's, he's at the base of this cross and he's being kicked and kicked and kicked. And Scorpio literally says, I am now going to kill you. Like she's going to die and now you're going to die. Suck it. Um, yeah. And the, so I mean, the, the metaphor is though like maybe he's going to be the martyr, but it's it's a sort of martyrdom that when you, you talk about it mirrored against the stadium is – is one that sort of extracts all of that uh, that cultural value. I mean, this is this is Harry. That's we 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 can see the attempt to that, to place him as martyr, but he's not a martyr in any more of the sense than than we get that. It's sort of like a lonely metaphor. I don't know if that's making sense. Yeah. But. Well, I think yeah, I think the it is. I would agree that there's there's an evacuation of meaning, right? Because Harry isn't a martyr. He may he may view himself as, and I think certainly many viewers and critics saw him presented as a martyr. Uh, but that um, that cross just it's so cold and white in the in in, in the dark. There's it, it's just this. Um, uh, it doesn't feel like a um, it doesn't feel like a cross, right? It's, it's just this oppressive thing. Uh, and um, earlier. When um, Harry's on the stakeout, and uh, they, when they expect um, Scorpio to be uh, um, trying to uh, kill a priest, uh, during the stakeout in the background, there's this rotating neon uh, Jesus saves signs sign, right? Well, I didn't notice that. I knew uh, it was a sign. I didn't know it said Jesus saves. Yeah, and it's constantly going round and round and round, flashing and flashing in the background. We keep seeing it, uh, and it is in its own way as garish uh, and as empty. Uh, as as that cross and as ironic uh, because um, he's not going to save. In fact, I believe the priest is killed. Uh, and the uh, and in the opening um, uh, conflict, uh, Scorpio's uh, gun blasts away at the sign. Uh, While he laughs, he laughs like giggles maniacally as he's yeah. or maybe not maniacally, but like with joy as he's destroying this sign. Yeah, that, that, that horrific snigger that he has. But it's a it's a sign that um, that Harry ignores, right? So it's as it, so the, the 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 we see these religious symbols that have um, as opposed to say the Omega Man, uh, where we move to the outright martyrdom um, and and. Uh, uh, de- borderline deification of the Charlton Heston character. Here, uh, re- in, in Dirty Harry, it seems to me the religious symbols are there uh, to be empty. Right? They're uh, they they are not serving any purpose, or, or, or in, like not that they don't serve any purpose in the film, but they are being presented as uh, ones that no longer have meaning in this society. Yeah, and that's something that uh, you know when you were you were mentioning this idea of the sort of oppressive icons, these oppressive elements. Um, there is an aspect of that that I think uh, part of why they're there is uh, this film seems to me to set up Dirty Harry as being uh, sort of an old value that like like he's an embodiment of old values that no longer seem to operate in this city. So like the scene we're talking you were talking about with the the Jesus sign in the background. Well, that's also another scene when Harry. Uh, in t- this time intentionally snooping. Uh, mm-hmm. Last time he saw a naked woman, it was un- unintentionally. He wasn't trying to see a naked woman. Uh, but I find this amusing just because it's, it's a little bit of Harry the voyeur. Uh, but there's this moment he's 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 got the sign behind him and he's looking through the windows and he witnesses this this woman. And of course, what does he do? He keeps looking. And and then it turns out it's something. Like they're like they're having a threesome. I'm not sure exactly what yeah. is happening, but something from his perspective, sexually deviant, is about to happen. And this is something that is repeated throughout the film. These these values that Harry seems to be pitted against. So we get the one of the early scenes with the bank robbery, which uh, I think it's fair to say that they're modeled after the Black Panthers, uh, and it's sort of just this indiscriminate. Just they're all going to die except for the guy that he says the punk line to. But again, it's that kind of like Harry against these these new values. Uh, Harry against the mayor's office, which is uh, in in many respects 
uh, trying to be politically correct. I mean, that there's that moment when they're reading out the letter and he cannot say the word nigger. He refuses to say it. He he just stops at the line when that, when that comes up because he can't say the word. Uh, but not not more than ten minutes later, Harry seems to have no problem when they're talking about him. How much he he hates everyone equally. He uses the, this is just a string of epithets that right. uh, yeah. In, in a way to suggest like you know I, everyone's equal. I just hate all of you. Um, yeah. Which is and that string of epithets is like the 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 ones that that Scorpio wrote, right? Uh, right. The um, I mean, there's uh, in the, uh, the 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 Time Out review for the uh, the, the film. Um, uh, the, the, the critic writes that uh, uncredited writer John Milius was thinking of Kurosawa's detective movies, and of outrageous antagonists differentiated only by the badge one wears. Um, and director Siegel was thinking of bigotry and as ever in terms of questions rather than answers. So, I mean, if you, you, there's so many elements like what you just uh, said there that, that um, connect Harry to Scorpio. Yeah. Uh, and, and, of course, they're both wearing badges by the end, right? Uh, you know, the, the, the way that uh, Scorpio has that peace symbol on his belt. Um, and... And I think the uh, and that moment where Harry becomes a voyeur, right? I think is um, goes against a, a Jake Horsley talking about uh, this film uh, says that uh, in in his book The Blood Poets describes Harry as a the crusading knight. Uh, the the uh, he, he becomes a kind of icon, a saint of rage, a shining figure of wrath and moral indignation, standing tall in a world of hoodlums, psychos, and liberals, right? Uh, which is Kind of uh, certainly how how you know perhaps how, how Harry um, could be seen, but in that uh, um, that moment uh, the, you talk about where he starts looking in on the uh, watching the women, and he says, "Harry, you owe it to yourself to live a little," and focuses <laughs> decides to just watch the uh, what, what's going to happen, thereby taking his eye off the ball and almost getting them all killed when um, when when Scorpio starts shooting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and so the you know throughout the film, you know wh- why is he called Dirty Harry is the question, right? And uh, one that's and, directly asked a number of times. Yeah, yeah. Um, and one is he hates everybody, right? You know he says uh, these loonies they ought to throw a net over the whole bunch of them, right? Uh, he's also Dirty Harry because he's a voyeur once by accident, but the other you know, Harry you owe to yourself to live a little, and he almost blows it. Or uh, and he's dirty Harry because he's the, um, the the one who's given the dirty jobs that nobody else uh, wants to do. So right, he's, he's the bag man, which is probably yeah. the worst job he could get. <laughs> yeah, and 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 there and there, there there's that you know the the sort of the the saintly killer. He, he he's the scapegoat, right? All of the um, uh, it all that falls on him. But but that could also uh, mean uh, that you know d- dirty in in what he does, right? That you know, he isn't a saint of rage. Uh, What's what's I think also critical uh, for, for the appreciation of this film is to not link it up to the rest of the franchise, uh, right? I mean, to just do certainly to see it as the film as it was made, standing on its own, and that has a, defined, a definite ending where he throws his badge away. Right, right, and and I think that some way in some ways, uh, based on what I understand of the other films, those films seem to be slightly a corrective of some of the issues that are presented here. Uh, specifically, Magnum Force, which uh, I think uh, yeah, it's got the the actual fascist cops. They actually have fascist uniforms. <laughs> right, right, right. And, yeah. yeah. So I mean, yeah. So uh, I, I think when when you were talking, I was thinking too of the um, that 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 element of of Dirty Harry, the reason why he's called Dirty. That that very early scene when he's in, I think he's in the mayor's office, uh, and. You know, they they say I don't want another one of the uh, whatever case. I can't remember what the name of the case is. Uh, and he says to him, you know, like, well, you know, I knew he was going to commit rape. Like, I knew what his intent was, and I just shot him. And the guy's like, well, how'd you determine that? And he says this rather disturbing and hilarious line. He says, well, when a guy's chasing a woman down the street with a knife, a butcher knife, and a hard on, I assume he's not <laughs> was it like donating to the Red Cross. I think is the line. Um, and it seems to me at that moment that one of the interesting things about that Harry and partly what makes him dirty is, uh, or at least that that the 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 meaning behind that that dirtiness uh, is that he exacts moral judgments on situations uh, and it's, and in a way that is uncompromising. Um, 
in not necessarily in in always bad ways. I mean, when he's at the robbery, uh, he decides a robbery is happening. He sees something weird, and he just assumes that a robbery is happening, and then he just goes out and he says, "I'm just gonna shoot these people." Uh, granted, they shoot at him first, so I guess it's fair enough. Uh, he shoots the rapist. He uh, eventually, in the end, he takes the law into his own hands and he chases after Scorpio and kills Scorpio. Uh, Granted, giving Scorpio, I guess, somewhat of a chance not to be killed, but I think his intent was always he's going to kill Scorpio. Um, so there's an element to Harry that is uh, he, and, and it goes back to that that fascism thing, I think, because he's he's making decisions about what is right and wrong, and he even says later on that he he says, um, you know, I know right from wrong. Uh, in the scene when he's with the uh, the district attorney and he's being told the Scorpio is going to be let go, he's like, you know, I don't know what the law says, but I know what's right and wrong. Yeah. Uh, it's again, it's it's Harry has his own moral compass. We don't fully understand the extent of that compass, but he makes decisions and then that's the end of it. For, for him, those decisions are usually lethal decisions. Yeah, and to the extent that we find ourselves um, uh, unquestioningly buying into his decisions – uh, then the, uh, the 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 criticisms of the film uh, are are justified. Right? But we that, that, we don't have any choice because the I mean yeah they're, they're, well that's it they're, we are, we are given a, the, the film gives us a situation where there is no alternative. Uh, but I, and and so in, in which case the the uh, you know the the the, the fascism of, of the film would um, is 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 clear. However, I think the what, what the film does though is um, well. I mean, if you look at um, Don Siegel's filmography, there's a a pattern of films which are um, difficult and and difficultly they are ambiguous in difficult ways. Uh, they they don't allow you to comfortably settle on one ideological reading or another. Uh, most famously, Invasion of the Body Snatchers uh, from 1955. Is, you know, is it um, an anti-McCarthy uh, film or is it a Red Scare film? Well, it's kind of, you know, uh, it, perhaps simply enforced conformity of one sort or the other. Hmm. Uh, you have The Beguiled, uh, which is a fascinating gothic western where uh, Eastwood, uh, a wounded uh, uh, Civil War soldier who winds up in a uh, uh, in a isolated um, uh, girls' school, uh, and for the first half of the film. We see him as the villain as he sets about seducing and uh, uh, manipulating all of the uh, young women around him. But in the second half of the film, becomes the victim as now he decides he wants to leave and they won't let him. Uh, and so you're, you know, uh, how you feel about, you know, who, who are you sympathizing sympathizing with in that film becomes very complicated. So in Dirty Harry, he gives us um, the. Uh, the film again to uh, to quote the uh, uh, situation to, to quote the Time Out review the um, uh, it calls it a seminal law and order cinema and the site of revival for the oldest cine political argument of all does an articulated theme necessarily constitute an ideological position especially when it's so transparent Cop Callahan's fascism that it's noticed by everyone who's ever written about the film. Uh, it's more than a little embarrassing when critics trust audiences less than filmmakers do, uh, and maybe oh, wow. yeah. And and so I don't know. I mean, you know, do, do I go that far or not? I'm not sure. But the thing is, um, the I mean, if if I were to not see any reason to question what Harry does, then I would agree with um, Horsley and Kale that the, yeah, the, it, it is a uh, the, the, the it is a fascist film, um, but. The the degree to which Harry and Scorpio resemble each other uh, is striking, and the questions that that, that keep coming up. I mean, um, if Harry didn't break the rules, if he, um, you know, if if he hadn't, if he had read uh, Scorpio his rights, if he um, hadn't engaged in torture, um, Scorpio would not have been released and would not have kidnapped those children. True. Right. Now, okay, so we say, but yeah, but he had to do that in order to save uh, uh, that uh, that other victim. Well, I wouldn't but he say didn't. he had to do it. I would say but, that uh, he had to do something. <laughs> he had to do something, but but that something was ineffective, Some, and True. something that he believed, we know that he thought would was not going to work. That the the victim was already dead before any of that began. Uh, which which isn't to say that the film is presenting us a critique of of Harry. Rather, it's it's 
it's asking these questions and then and then uh, said, leaving us to our own devices. All right, how, where do we come down uh, on this? And so the example you give about yeah the you know with the you know uh, shooting the, uh, the the would be rapist. I mean the 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 argument seems to be I mean what, what he did there seems to be inarguable in, in within the frames of the uh, of reference of the film. Uh, and I think quite love, uh, brilliantly parodied in The Naked Gun uh, when um, uh, asked about a similar incident and Leslie Nielsen says something to the effect, oh, when I see a man uh, in robes running with a knife, I shoot, uh, I, I, I shoot first. That's my policy. And then he's, then he's told it, it was a, um, a Shakespeare in the Park production of Julius Caesar. Um, <laughs> uh, so and he gunned down the cast. Um <laughs> So uh, the that's the thing. I, I mean, Dirty Harry keeps keeps you know um, every time you think you have decided one way or the other about this character or where he stands, then you there's another bit of information and you go, okay, well wait a minute. Uh, and uh, I think it's um, in, in its success is the endless debate that it has generated, right? That, that's, that, that it, is a, it is a machine brilliantly um, tooled to create that, uh, the, 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 those questions. Now, the, the issue, I, I guess the other question that comes to mind, um, and especially since we're seeing similar uh, debates surrounding American Sniper, which, which I have not seen, um, is um, if, you know, if the film is only seen as, as, as representing one perspective, um, has it successfully a- asked those questions uh, or, or not? Or, or you know, are, is the filmmaker uh, responsible for a, um, uh, a very widespread misinterpretation of the movie? I mean, I don't, I don't think that the filmmaker is responsible for the interpretation at all. I think, I think once a creation is put out there for public consumption, that's it. You have no control over what happens after that. That doesn't mean that interpretations are necessarily correct, uh, but that's my, my take on it is that what, what comes after that, you, you, there's no control. I mean, well, other, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, I mean, it, it, I, I, I don't know how much you get. I mean, I, I know in in some of the, the critical takes, I mean, I know Pauline Kael pretty much hated the movie, uh, at least, or at least its ideologies. I know that Siegel and Eastwood are at various different points accused of of right wing uh, uh, ideologies and reinforcing values. We ha- we see in this particular instance the uh, that argument about violence and its impact on people, which I find really amusing, given that. Um, this being a kind of kind of quintessential American vigilante film, having so much impact, and yet uh, that conversation about violence and being right wing is no longer had about, say, for example, all 900 of the Taken movies, in which the the main character is there isn't even a, 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 to me the the ambiguity is gone yeah. because he's not even operating to any degree within the law or even sort of pushing against a, a legal framework which from a certain perspective is ineffective uh in the taken movies he has just decided like i'm just gonna kill anyone vaguely associated with this industry like indiscriminate like you're there i'm gonna snap your neck i'm gonna shoot you in the eye i'm gonna, like so those films seem to me to be doing something that if the argument were to hold that violence necessarily entails the right wing, uh, those films by definition would be even more fascistic uh, in their approach. So uh, for me, I don't, I, I think that those criticisms uh, are beyond the purview of, of the the creation. I think that the work itself is doing is much more complicated. Uh, I think on the one hand, it sets up in the beginning. Uh, it, you know, kind of in talking here through this, that the beginning of the film sets it up so that we aren't supposed to question Harry. Uh, Harry is just correct. At no point do we think Scorpio is innocent because we know he's not. We've seen him murder people. We know that he's the one that wrote the letter. Uh, there's no trick there. Uh, and so when Harry is saying all of these things, like, you guys are idiots, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this, you should just send somebody out there and get him, you know, get him, be done with it. I think at that moment we're led to agree. I think where where it gets more complicated is after the scene with the cross. Everything following that gets increasingly our 
I think understandably morally questionable, even if they're for reasons that we we find justified. And I think that that what was an interesting thing about learning about the uh, the way in which the film was perceived and received by viewers is it seemed to me that in many cases that latter half was not seen as ambiguous as it actually is. Uh, yeah. And and I I don't know why because I wasn't alive in 1971 uh, or. It, it, so I, there, there is probably some historical context that I can't grasp from history books because it's a kind of like a had to be there kind of thing. But it seems to me that given our, I'm probably influenced very much by living in a post-2001 world where uh, we've had torture happen and then we've had a big, long, nasty discussion about why it's fucked up. Um, whereas uh, I, get, I think given, you know, 69 to 71, these like massively transitory, transitionary period uh, – there is obviously a lot of conversation about those things, but it seems curious that that is not the conversation that is had. It's had by critics. Critics were extremely critical of its political implications. Well, I gather there were protests. There were protests on campus and so forth. But I mean, you could. I mean, you could certainly see uh, uh, a, a viewers. I mean, in the wake of the upheavals in American society um, in the late '60s or early '70s, and then uh, and then this film is also following in the wake of Scorpio of the, the Zodiac killings and the the Manson murders. Uh, that the uh, a, a reaction against the counterculture, right? Uh, and so. Uh, the, the so a kind of counter reformation going on uh, uh, in, in in something like like Dirty Harry uh, where the 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 rebels the the, the troublemakers like uh, uh, that that Scorpio represent yeah this this is the worst case scenario of these hippies right um, hmm. uh, let's let's uh, um, uh, you know let's reestablish law and order right through uh, violent saints like like Harry. Um, I, again, I, I don't think the film is, um, is, is being that simple about it, uh, but we can see its progeny uh, as becoming more and more sim- uh, simple-minded in that way, as the examples you gave. And uh, you know, just a few years down the road from uh, Dirty Harry, we would encounter Death Wish. Uh, which uh, you know the which pays some lip service to a little bit of ambiguity at the beginning and then it's all gone right um, and yeah let's let's get behind Charles Bronson uh, the, the the citizen vigilante like a true vigilante right like somebody who's n- doesn't even have uh, who's you know any kind of um, uh, you know uh, legal uh, Framework uh, surrounding him, like like yeah, like Harry as a cop. Here, you know, it's, it's just an architect who uh, um, starts shooting muggers in the street. Um, mm. So, but uh, and I think the so the, the a lot of films later on would would not raise the questions. You're right, and and the thing is, so Dirty Harry raises the questions, but I think for many viewers. Um, and many of the filmmakers would follow, those questions were ignorable. Uh, and it was possible to view the film as unequivocally supporting the character of Harry Callahan. And then mm. you start, and then we see uh, other films where those questions evaporate. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it not just evaporates, it seems like completely excised from yeah. the text. I mean, it's... Like the the most we might get in terms of of the any kind of questioning about the rightness of action. Like I mean, the Taken, the first Taken film, pretty much says right from the start she's kidnapped by evil sex traders. But it's it's such a simplified like the the people he goes to kill. At no point is there ever any consideration of the complexity of that environment. These are just every single person is is evil Satan and must be shot. Yes, the only question is, did he kill enough of them? Right, and then, then of course that comes and bites his ass uh, in later films because of course every time he kills somebody, he's killing someone's kid, and then you know blah blah blah. But you know, so that becomes the excuse to do more films where he kills indiscriminately. <laughs> yeah, which which in, instead of asking, you know, in, in, instead of seeing this as the, uh, uh, the films are sort of seeing the, the kind of spiral of violence, um, are are well, or perhaps. They are simply the joyful spiral of violence, you know. Yeah, it gives us another reason for us to see him uh, kill people in elaborate ways. Right, unlike in Dirty Harry, where we actually get to see the the process of the fall, uh, because we come in in media res, we get we get Harry sort of 
not quite at the moment of just like I fu- I'm fucking done with this, but he's at that point where he's sort of like this system. You know, I, I don't. I'm on the edge on how I feel about how this system functions, uh, and that and that follows through to where we see him essentially have the fall, not necessarily yeah. from grace, but but the fall from from the institution. He sort of he rejects it, and and as you noted right that moment where he chucks his uh, his badge into the water is um, on the one hand I think Eastwood interprets it as uh, Harry basically saying well they're going to take my badge anyway so make them go fish for it you fuckers <laughs> he didn't say fuckers but I say that um, but on the other hand is sort of I think symbolic in the sense that it is the that's the moment at which he finally admits that uh, I don't belong in this system yeah. because it doesn't function in a way that lets me do my job which I think does uh, I mean, Pauline Kael does make a really, really interesting point about this uh, in in her review. Uh, I, I feel like this review should everyone should just read it, even if you don't agree with it, because it's a, it's a very interesting review. But yeah. one of the things she notes about the Marvelous way in which, she, yeah, d- absolutely. But she makes this note about the way in which the law is perceived within the film, um, and particularly the way in which the laws uh, serve to protect Scorpio. And she says that the and this is a quote: "They're not seen as remedies for the mistreatment of the poor by the police and the courts, but as protection for evil abstracted from social from all social conditions, metaphysical evil, classless criminality." Um, so you know we have this legal framework that's being presented that is, I think, ultimately what makes Harry just not snap, but just just quit. He just yeah. is done with it because, uh, you know, here he is making these decisions, which uh, he may enjoy when he accuses Scorpio of, of uh, you know, the reason why he's going to kill again is because he likes it. Right. Uh, that that same thing, I think maybe we get that impression that maybe on some level he he actually enjoys being able to take the law into his own hands. But on the same side, right, when he's doing things that he believes are moral actions, the system seems to clamp down on him and prevents him from, you know, e- even if it's a, a thing like you're going to get reprimanded, but we still got the bad guy. That's not what we get. We get you're getting reprimanded and nothing else is coming out of this. You've just now let a, a killer everybody else knows. And I think it's that that moment that is, is so crucial for Harry and his his uh, his his change is realizing that this system is designed uh, to, in some respects, put the uh the accused rights over the rights of the victim in a way that uh, any actions which could potentially be used in a, in a court to sort of get rid of uh, evidence could literally mean that we know this person is guilty, but we still must let them wander free. Which of course is the, uh, the, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the right wing nightmare uh, of, um, of, of the, the criminal justice system, right? Which, which, which it, came up in that period of time. It was a huge debate when the Miranda laws were invented. Were right. Yeah. But uh, the thing is, again, um, that what we see, though, what Harry does is subsequently is like the stuff, what he does makes things worse. Right. It does, Up until, yeah. yeah. So then at the end, when he throws the badge away, which is where, you know, so that's where we end the film with him having thrown his badge away and, um, and done silently. So I think the, there again, we have the ambiguity and the questions. Did he throw it away for the reasons that you outlined, right? The system is unworkable. I'm not part of this anymore. Um, I, I cannot, um, be a part of this anymore. Or, um, is it, I no longer can be I, I am no longer a policeman. I am an executioner, right? Uh, because he played out that scene with Scorpio. You know, he, you know, repeating the the line and you know, getting us to the do um, do I do you feel lucky, punk? Deliberately setting things up so that he could kill him. Yeah, right? and in a way that in in the earlier uh, scene, when he says it to the sort of Black Panther analog, it's with a, an air of humor. He has a smirk on his face when he's saying it. In that scene, he doesn't. I mean, it's it's well, his, his yeah. I mean, he he, all, he It's clear he knows how many shots he has left, and in that first scene, there are no more bullets uh, in in his gun. Right. Here, uh, he you know he he is going to kill Scorpio, right? And uh, uh, I mean, he has he has shot him, he has brought him down, um, but uh, that's not enough. He has to kill him. Well, so, because he believes, I guess, uh, you know, what what's going, what happened before is just going to keep happening. Well, and and, yeah. and and that that may be, but I, I, you see, this is the thing. This, but what the film does is it doesn't give us the answer to those questions. It it asks the questions. Right. Why has he thrown the badge away? Well, 
I'm not going to tell you. Right? Is is Harry right? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, the you know the for each position that we can take in the film, there's evidence to suggest a contrary position. Right, which is what I think what makes this film uh, so fascinating to watch. It's like you know I'm raising things that are possible interpretations, but I, there there are so many ways to read you know that final scene with the badge or uh, you know the the Harry's relationship with the law or uh, with the changing culture that is being presented. Uh, you know you're right that this is it's a film that asks questions that it refuses to answer. Yeah, exactly. Um, so uh, given. That uh, we have been babbling for uh, close to 52 minutes. Uh, I think that's probably a good time for us to kind of wrap up uh, because there's lots we could keep talking about this film, but we don't. We're not going to be here for six hours. So, uh, so yeah. So uh, this is uh, great. I think a first episode turned out to be really in-depth discussion. So I'm very pleased with that, David. Thank you. It was, it's been fun. Yeah. Thank you. So uh, for folks who would like to participate uh, in the discussion, if you'd like to let us know maybe your interpretations or if you have anything you'd like to say what we've offered so far, uh, you can go to totallypretentious.com and you can use the little comment feature or look for this post. It would be on the main page uh, and you can contribute in the comments. Uh, we'd love to hear from people your reactions to this film or to what we've had to say. And now is the time actually where David needs to tell us what our next movie is going to be. Our next film is from 1953. Uh, it's the uh, French film The Wages of Fear, uh, which one critic at the time called Shirley one of the most evil ever made. <laughs> oh, that's, this is going to be fun. <laughs> Excellent. So uh, if you want to uh, participate for the next uh, discussion, you, of course, got a whole month. You can watch this. So that that's what you need to do with your life. Go watch the movie. And we will see you uh, on the next episode. So thanks, David, for uh, joining me for the first time. Thank you, Sean. Cool. And on that note, we'll see everybody next time. Bye. Six shots or only five? Well, to tell you the truth, in all this excitement, I've kind of lost track myself. But Ian, this is a 44 Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world, and would blow your head clean off. You've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk?